Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's time for another Benny J bonus interview brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. Hello, everybody. Bonus time at the Ben Jarofsky Show as I speak. It's Wednesday, September 28th, 2022. Here's the headline. My beloved bright one, the Chicago Sun-Times, give you an idea of what's going on in the world. Eh, I may talk about this headline with my distinguished guest who's sitting by listening. Here we go. <clears throat> I will now clear my throat and do a dramatic reading of a Chicago Sun-Times headline. A lawmaker to block $50 million funding for near South Side High School. State Rep. Teresa Moss says Lightfoot and CPS need to take concerns of community more seriously. I've been talking about this all day, ladies and gentlemen. I got to give a shout out to Teresa Moss. That was a power play move. I've been living in the city of Chicago for a long, long time. And in the 90s and the O's and the teens, I can't recall a state rep making a power play move against uh, an incumbent mayor. They'd be like, I'm scared. <laughs> So good for you, uh, Therese Ma. You stand up for uh, what you think is the right thing to do. It's a whole story whether it is the right thing to do. But you know what? You got the guts to stand up for what you believe and what your um, constituents are telling you to do. So I'm tipping my hat to you. All right. Without further ado, I'm going to uh, ask my distinguished guest to introduce herself. It's been too long since she's been on this show. Distinguished <laughs> guest, introduce yourself. Um, this is Rosana Rodriguez Sanchez. Live, well, it's, it's not going to be live, but recording from the 33rd Ward in Chicago. I am currently in Albany Park, and I'm so glad to be back, Ben. Yes. And uh, I, uh, t- uh, uh, Rosanna and I were uh, exchanging texts. I think it was on election night. And uh, you were saying, I got to come back in your show. We got to talk about the victory that the progressive forces had on the Northwest side. I go, yes, I got to bring you back. So sometimes it takes a while, ladies and gentlemen, for good things to happen, but they will happen. All right. Always. Uh, I will always be back then. Always. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so everybody knows Rosanna is one of my favorites. Yeah, I got favorites like the teacher with the kids in the class. You try to keep them uh, hidden, but uh, she stands up for what she believes. Do I always agree with her? No, but she's got guts and she stands up for what she believes. And I got much respect for her. All right. Um, so why don't we uh, start with the fact uh, that it was a good night for progressives. Let's go back a little bit and talk about what a good night it was for progressives and then lead into the challenges you're facing. Cause ladies and gentlemen, this is a certain Dick Mel <laughs> daddy, a lot of Blago. Okay. Who's not about to let Rosanna Rodriguez Sanchez <laughs> win again. Okay. So we'll get, he's we'll get gonna to try. Daddy. He's going to try. He gonna try. He's going to um, try daddy Blago. We're going to get to him in a little bit. Um, I am so glad that you are talking about that victory because it was so important to consolidate um, the progressive power in the Northwest side. We have been building for a long time now. Um, we have been forming IPOs. We have been um, active in a lot of different issues. And it is, 
it's amazing to see when you have been doing the work consistently for so long together to see, you know, that it pays off, to see uh, the right people getting elected, um, the people who have been fighting um, like hell for all of us. So, you know, seeing Delia Ramirez win that primary was, I mean, I was that night, I was on a plane going to Puerto Rico and I couldn't be at the at the victory party. But I stayed connected to that Wi-Fi and I cried the whole flight <laughs> watching my colleagues and my, my siblings, my comrades celebrating the fact that it was a landslide. And, uh, and there was a lot at stake, you know? Um, we had the option to go with the machine. We, you know, people had the option to elect the same people that have been around for a long time. Um, and they chose differently. And the, the most incredible thing about, about this is that the attacks focused on the fund, right? The attacks on every one of these candidates saying they want to defund the police, they want to abolish the police. There were so many mailers. Um, there were so many candidates that were funded by the FOP. Uh, there was Republicans that were running as Democrats, <laughs> and and they and, and they and they lost. They lost badly, um, which proved that our progressive message, the message about focusing on care, the message about reallocating funding so that we can actually take care of our communities, it it resonated with people, and um, and, and I'm I'm just. I'm still super happy about that. The fact that we were able to elect Anthony Quesada as the first socialist in a Cook County, in the Cook County Board of Commissioners. Um, he's super young. He's a gay Latino man who has been working in our communities for a very long time. It's just beautiful. It's beautiful to see. It's beautiful to see it happen. Yeah. And, uh, uh, Delia Ramirez uh, won as well uh, for uh, Congress, the Democratic nomination. It was a clear, it was a very strong showing, no doubt about it. I mean, we call them progressives, you call them lefties, whatever you want to call them. It was a very strong uh, showing, caught me off guard. And so I think Rosanna was uh, doing a little trash talking to me on those texts. Uh, it's okay, I can take it. And, um, uh, but I. Why do you say it caught you off guard though? Because you know why? Because I'm, I'm going to tell you why. Good question. I love it when my guests ask me the questions. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Because I am a diehard Chicago sports fan. <laughs> and I'm used to my teams losing. Okay? And plus, the powers that be, uh, behind the scenes, we're going to talk about Dick Mel. Alderman Richard Mel, 33rd Ward, legendary committeeman, Democratic alderman. I've been against Mel in so many races for so long, writing articles critical of him. He views me as like a little pesky fly. You know what I'm saying? That's what he, oh, Ben, you're right. He, he, yeah, we don't have to deal with him. We'll crush him and his little allies. And so I'm just so used to losing to Mel. And first, Rosanna Rodriguez-Sanchez beat that mal. My God, what is going on in the 33rd Ward? That was back in 2019, ladies and gentlemen. Then Carlos Ramirez Rosa gets he gets elected to, uh, 35th Ward Alderman. That's Mel's old country. I'm like, what's going on? What's happening on the Northwest side? The Northwest side is a new lakefront in terms of being like, quote, unquote, liberal. Mm -hmm. And the like, lakefront itself is, oh, 
you guys are pathetic on the lakefront. But anyway, uh, so I just always expect that my side is going to lose. And then with my side, I'm a lefty. Everybody knows it. So when lefties win, I'm like, whoa, what is going on in the universe? And so it's okay, Rosanna, just be triumphant and say you were wrong, Ben. I love it. I'm loving like, when this I'm wrong. Has happened before. We know this has happened before, that you've been wrong. And yes. we have proven you wrong. And, and we love to prove you wrong because proving you wrong also means that we make you happy. <laughs> So, so that's that's good. In this particular race, something really incredible happened, and it was Iris Martinez, right? Iris Martinez um, is also a legendary figure in the in the Northwest Side. She is the former uh, senator of the 20th district, and um, and Iris was convinced that they were going to be able to win those races by coming after us with the tough on crime narrative. And they miscalculated very poorly, but that calculation took her to make an alliance with the FOP president, um, John Catanzara. And John Catanzara is probably one of the most despicable people um, on the right in the Chicago political landscape. And everybody knows it. She, he's a Trump supporter. He is xenophobic. He is homophobic. He's transphobic. He is, I mean, I, he was okay with the riots in, in, in the Capitol on January 6th. He actually uh, spoke in support um, of it as like peaceful protesting. So, and he has been opposed to probably every settlement um, for police in the city of Chicago, knowing so well how corrupt um, the the police department has been right in Chicago. And she made her bet and she made an alliance with him and he gave her thousands of dollars for her and for her candidates that she was running. The woman of change, I think she called her slate. Um, and and she they they severely miscalculated. Um, and and it cost them handsomely. They it cost them a lot. Like she lost in her own turf, right? She lost the central committee man's seat, the committee woman's seat. Um, so that I think that that also sets up the stage for this round, right? We still have the election in November where our candidates are going to get elected um, to their positions because we don't really have meaningful Republican <laughs> opposition anywhere. Um, but then we have to go to, to, to the elections in February as well. And that, I guess that, that's, that's what we are calculating now. Well, all right. So let's uh, talk about the, uh, we'll skip ahead of November's election. Or we'll tie, I'm actually going to tie November's election to what's going on in February when uh, Rosanna runs for re-election. Uh, and so here's what's going to happen, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to make this prediction. And uh, Rosanna, then you get to weigh in. Right now, uh, in this gubernatorial race, you have the forces of MAGA, the forces of the right, uh, airing commercials uh, that are supposed to benefit Darren Bailey, the Republican governor for... Um, the Republican nominee for governor, uh, by blaming J.B. Pritzker uh, and Lori Lightfoot. Why they're dragging Lori Lightfoot into this, I I can only guess. Uh, she's not on the ballot. She's not even that particularly close 
to uh, Governor Pritzker. She's not even been that much of a champion for the <laughs> the uh, uh, the policies like the no bail policies that we talk so much in the show. So why they're dragging her in other than the fact that she's a black woman? Oh, maybe that's why they're dragging her in uh, to these commercials. I don't know, but they show commercials of crimes. They'll show a crime. Uh, somebody getting beat up on a subway, someone being accosted on the street. And all you'll hear is the person like uh, moaning out or screaming. And then they'll cut to a picture of J.B. Pritzker and Lori Lightfoot. And some ominous voice will say, they brought you this crime, crime, crime. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so this is the forces of the right. This is what they're up to. They're trying to scare people into voting for Darren Bailey, scare them away from voting for J.B. Pritzker. And they're using Lori Lightfoot uh, as a fear tactic. Uh, to get them to be frightened to do in that. Uh, Rob Bogoyevich, former Governor Rob Bogoyevich, has gone totally MAGA since Donald Trump let him out of prison, uh, supports and endorses it. He's the son-in-law of Dick Mel. They're going to be coming at you with the same kinds of commercials, Rosanna. You know it. I know it. Let's just get the voters ready for it. They're going to be blaming poor Rosanna, who's never done anything wrong in her whole freaking life for every single piece of crime that ever happened in the city of Chicago. Rob Blagojevich has done more criminal things than Rosanna Rodriguez-Sanchez, okay? So why don't you use him in your commercials? Sorry, <laughs> I didn't mean to go there. Anyway, Rosanna, you know what's coming, right? So, but, but it is interesting because I think that they also learn a little bit about what the right messaging is going to be and we have seen some of the people in those spaces like if you look for example at the campaign that gil villegas was running against delia at the beginning they were leaning way more on the top on crime thing and when they saw that that was not going well because of the polling they were i mean he was super progressive he was the the most progressive of the progressives um so i i I anticipate a little bit of a shift um, and perhaps doing something more like, oh, I'm progressive too. I'm just, you know, more effective or I, you know, these socialists are crazy and they, <laughs> but um, so I, so I know I have heard through the vine because the Chicago political landscape is, um, is also loud. Um, I have heard that there, that, Dick Mel has been calling people, the people that, you know, used to be loyal to him and that used to, um, you know, be old precinct captains and people like that to, uh, to, to come together to run somebody against me. So I am expecting it. Um, I am also very confident on the work that we have been doing. And, you know, speaking about one of the things that they did when I ran the first time around, because they were they were attacking me on crime even before I was even like older. <laughs> that was actually what they ran on. And they also ran on me being a socialist and how scary that was. Um, and I, I don't really know um, what they thought that I had the power to do of being a like make Chicago like a communist republic or something like, i'm not sure what people thought that was gonna happen you know uh, but i do remember that they put out uh something on social media that says this is Rosana rodriguez she's not bernie sanders and she's not aoc she's something else <laughs> <laughs> yes i am something else i'm Rosana rodriguez sanchez and i am a socialist but um 
So I, I am very confident on the work that we have been doing and how effective we have been in, in a lot of different areas, right? We have been changing the conversation completely. I feel like the 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 city of Chicago um, in, in terms of politics, it's a lot about which direction the wind is blowing, right? Mm. And when something goes bad, you know, you you catch like wind of something and then you just you just go in that direction. And there's so many politicians that act like that. We have not done that. We have stood our ground and we have said, no, this is the evidence-based approach. This is what we believe needs to be done. And we're going to continue to defend it. Even if you don't like it right now, this is what we are going to do. Even if you believe that this doesn't make me popular, even if you believe that I, that this is, you know, that this is not the winning strategy, it is the right thing to do. And that is what we're going to do. So with policing, for example, that's what we have been doing. And I have been um, sponsoring and shepherding the treatment, not trauma, um, a council order to try to do three things. We want to be able to first expand the mental health crisis response with a non-police model or team. We already were able to get that in one of the budgets and it's very, very tiny. So we're trying to make it uh, bigger so that we can actually gather more data and can move a little bit faster. We also want to use three of the five public mental health clinics we want to use them as walking crisis centers so that whenever people have mental health crises or instances where they need immediate support, they do not have to end up at the police station and they do not have to end up at the ER. Those are the two places where people in crisis mode are going to go. And a lot of times it's absolutely the wrong place for them to be. So having walking crisis centers that can double as living rooms, right? Like, like the living room program where somebody can just go and sit and eat something and watch a little TV or watch, watch, their, watch their clothes on the washer and dryer or take a shower or be connected with whatever uh, service they need, right? Um, those are the things that we should be doing to support people. And I... I it is not rocket science. So we want to use uh, three of the five public mental health clinics that we have, and this is the immediate, we want to reopen them all. But right now for the purpose of the crisis response, we want to use three of those um, for mental health, for uh, walking crisis centers. And I got this idea because I visited um, Denver and they have an incredible model there and they use walking crisis centers and then people don't have to go to the ER or the police station. And I'm going to say real quick, um, do you remember the Irene Chavez case? So Irene Chavez, uh, for, for those of you listening um, that might not remember or didn't know, Irene Chavez, uh, Afro-Latina queer woman, she was a, uh, she was a, a, a veteran um, and she was struggling with mental health. She went to a club one night with some friends. She was having um, some, some trouble that night with her mental health. She communicated that. She got triggered inside of the club. She got confrontational with the bouncer. The bouncer called the police. The police came. They took her. She continuously told the police that she needed to see her therapist, that she needed to talk to her therapist. Nothing was done about that. They took her to the station. They left her alone um, in a room that had the windows covered so nobody could see inside. And she took her own life. This woman could have been helped if she would have gone somewhere else, 
if the response would have not been let's call the police and let's leave her at a police station. That's not what she needed. We want to prevent that from happening. Nobody should go through that. No family should 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 have to deal with the trauma of losing a loved one that needed help and that help was denied. So we want to be able to invest in making sure that we can keep people safe whenever they are struggling with their mental health. And the third component um, of, of the treatment of trauma council order now for the substitute is to have community-based teams. And the community-based teams, we can compare them to, uh, you know when people say, oh, we need more beat officers. The beat officers that are around are like, okay, we don't need beat officers, we need beat clinicians. What we need to do is bring in clinicians and support workers to be around the community, to get acquainted with the people and the places that are most likely to go into crisis mode, be it because there is a homeless population, because there is intoxication, because there is use of drugs, um, because there is um, mental health issues. And then you can prevent a lot of the calls that are going through 911. You can reduce that volume because you are actually being proactive and preventing crises. We can do this in the blue line. We can do this wherever we know that um, crisis situations are going to arise. So that is some of the work that we have been doing and we have been able to, to do really well with a lot of that. We were able to negotiate and get 73% increase in the staffing for our public mental health clinics that had been systemically um, defunded because that's that's what that's what we need to call it. They have been defunded every public service um, and then wondering why, why are, why, why are things the way they are? Well, because there are no support structures. There is no care structures. Um, and we were also able to pass the bodily autonomy sanctuary ordinance that I'm very proud. And this, I really want to go talk about because I feel like for us socialists in city council, there's a lot of like, oh, they're not effective. They just yell. When I heard that, when I saw the leak decision um, of the Supreme Court uh, that said that, you know, Roe versus Wade was going to be reversed, I immediately um, talked to Carlos. And I said, we need the welcoming city ordinance, but for, for, for abortion care and for gender affirming care. And I went to the LRB and I worked with um, an amazing lawyer there, his name is Michael George, and he helped me draft it. And we brought together Planned Parenthood, Equality, you know, Chicago Abortion Fund, um, Midwest uh, Access Coalition, um, and, and several other, and ACLU. And we got to work and we drafted something that created a sanctuary for abortion care in Chicago, which means that people who come here to get abortion care are going to be um, protected in the face of an escalation in the criminalization of the, of the, of the exer exercise of, of bodily autonomy. Hmm. All right. There, you gave me so much uh, to respond. Uh, respond and react to. Uh, I'm just going to go back to the mental uh, health issue before we get to the abortion issue. To me, follow me about what I'm saying. Mental health, the way it's dealt with uh, in this day and age, reminds me of the way marijuana was dealt with about 10 years ago. And here's what I, what I mean by this. It's something that affects everybody. 
Like I know so many people and I'm not naming names, but dear friends, family, just people I know, associates who are struggling. Okay. On my bad days, Rosanna, believe it or not, I struggle. All right. We all have issues. I know many police officers who are struggling. I know many firefighters who are struggling. Big macho, tough guys, they're struggling. And, um, and athletes, football players, basketball players, everybody's got issues, okay? Uh, and John Wall, if you're a sports fan, just read about John Wall, the great basketball player for the Clippers, contemplating suicide because of the depression of dealing with injuries and not being able to play. We're really getting to him. And yet we pretend like we don't need to give assistance to people. You know, it's like Mayor Rahm, in his infinite stupidity, closed those mental health clinics. You weren't in the city council, happened with his first budget. And the aldermen, in their infinite stupidity, voted 50 to nothing to close those mental health clinics in high crime areas where mental services were needed the most. Mm -hmm. They closed them. And then I don't know why, Rosanna, the mayor of the city of Chicago is so stubborn on this issue. Mayor Rahm, Baba, Mayor Lloyd, they're just not going to reopen those clinics. It's like they would, if they have to open those clinics, it'd be like admitting they're wrong. And God forbid a mayor of the city of Chicago ever admits that he or she is wrong, even with they're obviously wrong. And it's Lori like, Lightfoot ran on this. She ran on reopening the mental health clinics as we all did. Yeah. Many of us run and reopening the mental health place because we understand how critical it is. And yeah. she didn't. She didn't keep his her promise. No, she didn't. And they always have some excuse. And they always go, well, we actually, when you tabulate the services, then there's more services for people if we don't reopen the clinics. What kind of BS is that? Nobody believes that. You tell people stuff that they, it's like MAGA stuff that Trump tells people. It's so obviously not true. Why do you expect us to believe that? So here's my, so I, the reason I compared to marijuana, I knew every white person I know was smoking reefer, but they, since they weren't getting arrested, they didn't care that it was illegal. Do you follow what I'm saying? So, yeah. so many people I know who are middle class, upper middle class, so long as they can pay for their therapist, they don't care if other people can't get therapy. Do you follow what I'm you saying? You know what, Ben? You know what? I you you are right to an extent, but it is incredible what happens when you canvas people and you talk to them about this. They are super on board. They understand how important it is to get the services to the people. They understand that police should not be responding to mental health emergencies because it is a risk for everybody. It is a risk for the person. It is a risk for the officer. It is a risk for the city. And we have paid so much money and we have paid with the lives of people and we can't afford it. We can't afford to lose one more person to that kind of behavior. And we cannot, the city cannot, we could have built so much with the billion dollar that we have paid at this point in police misconduct lawsuits. So definitely, making sure that we have the appropriate response and the adequate tools is important. The city of Chicago moved a little bit on it, but they're still sending a co-responder model, which is their main response, which means that they're still sending police. And my, my question to them is why, right? And every time that I have a briefing with them, I continue to ask, why are you still sending police? At a time when you're saying that you're overstretched, that, oh my God, we don't have enough police. And you're still sending police to deal with things that they 
they don't want to deal with and that they are not equipped to deal with. Mm. The, so, so the program in, in Denver, I went to Denver to learn from them and I sat down with them and I talked to them and I saw what they do. They have tended, they have responded to about 5,500 calls, more than 5,500 calls at this point. And they have never needed police backup. And all they do is they go around and they respond to both 911 calls and they handle on-site things, you know, that, that they stumble upon and they take people to the right place and they support them. And there hasn't been any need for police backup. And I, we're totally capable of doing that. And I am having a little bit of trouble understanding why the, the city is going so slow um and why they refuse to do a bigger pilot and why they refuse to use the tools that we actually have at our disposal and i forgot to tell you how we're funding this because i'm sure that you are that, that you're interested in how we're funding this so the city of chicago has about 800 police officer vacancies right now and over the years we have been trying to move those vacancies into other departments so that we can fund a lot of different things we are asking the city of chicago to move 200 of those positions of the 800 200 positions and reallocate them to the department of public health so that we can form these teams that are going to be in communities doing the work uh, and responding through the the care system the pilot and be able to expand the hours of service at these three mental health clinics so that we can have walking crisis centers. 200 positions, it's about $15 million, I think we calculated. It's not a lot of money compared to the almost 2 billion that the police get. And the, and, and the vacancies are not, are not addressing any safety right now because they are empty positions and they are not going to be able to hire the 800 positions in the next couple of years so um, we believe that doing a pilot using those positions and seeing how much we can decrease the need to deploy um, police and first responders to this um to these situations can can work out it's All a right. win it's a win situation it, and and as you said, I do believe uh, that a lot of people in the city are on board with this. I, yes, I think you're absolutely are. correct. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, particular, um, my goodness, particularly when I think of the um, just the stories about the mental crisis that police officers are facing. It's just it's something that actually unites people. We're all yes. struggling to one degree or another in this post-COVID era. All right. Yes. Uh, so. You, you raise the question, well, why won't the city pass it? And my immediate response will go back to your reproductive rights uh, bill that you did get passed. And I'm gonna explain something and then get your response. Uh, generally, the position of mayors of the city of Chicago, be it Lori Lightfoot, Rahm Emanuel, Richard Daly, not Harold Washington, but those three, uh, is that if somebody of the lefty persuasion, like a Rosanna Rodriguez Sanchez or Carlos Marias Rosa or Jeanette J.T. Taylor, anybody uh, who is a lefty alderman proposes something, they will be knee-jerk against it in order to discourage Rosanna Rodriguez Sanchez, Carlos Marias Rosa or Jeanette Taylor for ever thinking they could get anything uh, through the city council without kissing the mayor's ring. That's why they do it. They go, oh, you think you're so cute, little lefty? I'm going to bury your legislation right there, even if people desperately need it. 
Now, sometimes they'll get some flunky to rewrite Rosanna's legislation, and then they'll pass it, and they'll pretend like, well, it was my idea, even though they stole it from Rosanna. But they let your reproductive rights proposal fly through the council. And as far as I know, maybe I'm wrong and I missed something, Mayor Lightfoot didn't try to get some flunky to rewrite it and pass it differently. And I think that's because even Mayor Lori Lightfoot realizes, and probably Mayor Rob would realize if he were around, that reproductive rights is such a powerful force in the city of Chicago right now that you play with that at your political hazard and that yeah, you could pretend as though nobody cares about mental health and you could just pretend like throwing a few contracts on some social service organization is the same thing as having a drop-in center in the middle of Woodlawn. You could pretend that, but you can't play around with abortion as an issue because uh, it'll irritate voters throughout the city, particularly in the 43rd Ward, the 44th Ward, upscale 32nd Ward, Scotty Wagonsmax Ward, et cetera, and so forth, upscale parts of the city. That is my humble opinion. They recognize abortion rights as a legitimate issue for which they will pay at the ballot box, and they don't recognize mental health issues as a legitimate issue that they will pay at the ballot box. That is my theory. What do you think of that? You are right. Um, but I think what also happened is that they didn't work on it. I worked on it, and I introduced it, and I put it out in the world. And at that time, you know, they were like, well, we didn't do our homework. She did her homework. So let's just use her homework. And then and then we all win. Right. So that was a win that I, I believe that the administration needed and they didn't they didn't really do the work. Right. So we did have to work with them. And there were some modifications that were made, but they were not too meaningful. I think that they are always going to work on our legislation, no matter what. Um, so we did a few edits um, through the the law department, and uh, and we were able to pass it. it. It was also because I signed on the organizations, the advocacy organizations very early. I moved, this is organizing, you know, <laughs> this is organizing one-on-one. -on -one. Um, we knew what needed to be done. We found the information and the tools uh, to articulate what needed to be done. We brought in the advocacy groups to uh, chime in and to give us feedback on the, on the legislation. We introduced it. They said, oh, we wanna be a part of this. Then the mayor uh, sort of turned it into an executive order, but she knew that she couldn't get away with that because I had already introduced it and it was on the press. So she said, well, "I'm going to introduce. I'm gonna. I'm going to do an executive order, and um, until we can pass this legislation, wow. and then that's how it passed. And the only person that voted against was, well, I guess, <laughs> yeah, my old friend Nick Spazzato. Your friend Nick uh, my, my old friend Nick, you know, uh, <laughs> Nick. I don't know what that. I read your quotes. I mean, come on, Nick. Uh, I wanna, yeah, I'm not gonna do my Nick imitation, but come on, Nick. Nick was out of vote. It was the only one. Everybody else voted for it. Wasn't everybody else. Everybody wow. else voted for it except for Nick Posado. Um, and then in the next meeting, he he took a, a knife out. <laughs> yeah, he took the knife out. Yeah, Nick. Come on, Nick. The knife. Uh, we talked about that a lot yesterday in the show. Uh, yeah. And, uh, now let me ask you this. 
So when it passed, was there a celebratory press conference where the mayor brought you? Uh... <laughs> no, 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 no celebratory press conference. I don't think that that they were interested in giving me any more press. Um, but we did have a press conference in the morning because we knew that that the ordinance the ordinance was going to pass. So we brought in Planned Parenthood and we brought in Equality Illinois and abortion and Chicago Abortion Fund and Brave Space Alliance, all of the organizations that we collaborated with. And did, we did our own little celebratory press conference before the vote because we knew that it was going to pass. See, this is so, so Chicago. And this is where the two issues tie together. People think I'm kidding when I say this, but I don't. When I think of the violence in Chicago, when I think of the shooting in Chicago, when I think of just like this macho attitude in the city of Chicago, that if someone punches me, I punch it back harder. That's like this retaliatory culture that I noticed when I first moved here in 81. It just never goes anywhere. And it's all tied up like the politics. Our politicians act that way. So Mayor Lori Lightfoot should have said, you know what, uh, Alderwoman Rosetta Rodriguez-Sanchez, you've been against me in a lot of things. I've been against you in a lot of things. But we see eye to eye in this. I want to thank you for introducing this. I want to have a press conference. Yeah, she'll never do that in a million years. And Rob wouldn't do it in a million. Rob wouldn't even appear with Sue Savlowski Garza. When it, in here, her ward, that's the Chicago mentality. These mayors daily, learn it from daily. I'm the boss. You know what I'm saying, Rosanna? And then they wonder why people are shooting each other in Chicago. You know, like we, every time a dispute happens, it ends up with someone throwing a, a punch or throwing someone pulling out a knife or someone pulling out a gun or just taking it to the next level as opposed to just saying, hey, you know, you're right. I, that's my observation about uh chicago having lived here since 1981 i think it's it's really it's really interesting also the sort of the animosity that the mayor has had throughout the the whole term even though when we have voted with her most of the time because when it's tough that it's it's like common sense right and there's mutual agreement in a lot of different things like but there are things that of course we're gonna go super hard against and still like it doesn't matter <laughs> she's she she feels very very um attacked i think by us and i you know i didn't come to the council to to make friends i came to the council with my comrades i came to the council with my policy and the people who I share values with, I was not looking forward to work with most people in the council because I went to the council because I understood that there needed to be a change and that the way that things had been um, managed was, is, is terrible. Um, like for example, this situation with the mayor that continues to appoint committee chairs. Oh. I, to me, um, and, and I have talked about this extensively, I have talked about this with you before I have said this out loud people don't like it when we say this kind of stuff out loud and which is the reason why I am getting some opposition right now running against me because I have a big mouth sometimes but to me now I'm government and I want government to work for the people and uh, and it doesn't so whenever I introduce something like this council order, right, like the treatment no trauma council order, getting a hearing on it is almost impossible. 
because they're not going to let you, right? They're going to send things to the rules committee so that they die there. And the most recent example of that was that Matt Martin introduced a resolution so that he would become the chair of, um, of ethics, of the committee on ethics, because Michelle Smith retired. I think Matt Martin would be perfect for chair of the ethics committee. I support him. The committee supports him. And the mayor of Chicago was quoted uh, this week saying in an article that um, things are working perfectly fine. Like, why would we change this way of doing things? <laughs> it works. <laughs> but it doesn't work for us and it doesn't work for the communities that we represent for which and with which we make legislation to change the way the city works, right? No. Daniel and I, for example, have the, the public bathroom ordinance. We just want we just want to do some good. We just want to have like public bathrooms for people to be able to use. We want mental health care. We want clinics for everybody. And all of that stuff gets stuck in committee and we can do it, but we need people like Matt in committees, right? In order to be able to do reform. All right, just to help people out with that one, Matt Martin is the alderman for the 47th Ward. He's, uh, like Rosanna, rookie alderman. This is uh, just finishing his first term. Uh, and the way it happens in Chicago, we talked about it yesterday. We talked about the show many times. I'm not making this up, ladies and gentlemen. This is politics in the city of Chicago. You have a legislative branch, a city council, and an executive branch. You read about this in, in your history classes when you were kids uh, with the, the mayor. Uh, but unlike every other branch <laughs> that I can think of, like Congress, state reps, uh, the executive, the mayor, gets to appoint the chair people uh, in the legislative branch. It's like a total violation of what it's supposed to be. Uh, but in Chicago, that's the tradition of strong, powerful mayors, going back to Mayor Richard J. Daley. Uh, Matt Martin kind of upset the apple cart uh, when he asked that, hey, I'm the vice chair of this committee. Michelle Smith is stepping down. I want to be the chair. And Mayor Lori Lightfoot said, no, I'll, you'll be the chair if I tell you to be the chair. Which is kind of funny. We have an ethics committee in the city of Chicago. Let's just think about that for a moment. Rosanna Rodriguez. Hey, Blago, did you know there was an ethics committee at the Chicago City Council? Didn't Daddy Mel tell you that? <laughs> Even the gotten and the mayor and the mayor is doing totally the ethical thing. Yes. And like saying, no, you cannot appoint yourself to this committee with the support of your colleagues. I have no, the whole thing is weird because the F, the chair of the ethics committee, Michelle Smith, stepped down from her position before it expired. She didn't tell voters in 2019, hey, I'm only gonna run for for a three and a half year term. Then I'm gonna leave early so the mayor can handpick my replacement which is ethical in Chicago. Uh, no, everything about the ethics committee in Chicago is just unethical. I'm just saying. So we are really hoping that we can change that by having Matt Martin become the chair of the committee on ethics. And we need it so much. Like I think that Matt will be a phenomenal chair for that committee. Um, I, I'm ready to fight to get him into that position. I am part of that committee. I want him to be my chair. Yes. And Matt Martin, I mean, he's the total opposite of me. Matt Martin is a really diplomatic guy. He's like, he really, I know he's my alderman. And he'll like, listen, he got people like me and he's got conservatives. And no matter who's talking to him, he listens very patiently and very respectfully. What you say, very yeah. respectful. And he may be thinking, Ben, you're a lunatic. But he's like, oh, that's a very good point you made there, Ben. <laughs> I mean, he's perfect for the head of the ethics committee. Come on, Mayor Lightfoot. <laughs> That's an easy one. 
you know, and you'd win voters in the 47th Ward if you did. It just makes sense. But no, it's Chicago. I'll pick who the chair of the ethics committee is because I'm the mayor. Like Mayor Rahm was the mayor. <laughs> Look at that. It is, and, it, you know, and it is it is really disappointing as well because this mayor ran on reform, right? She was going to bring in the light. She was talking about how corrupt, like undermining prerogative. Undermining prerogative is terrible. It's mayoral prerogative, but we need to <laughs> By the way, I got to tell you something, uh, and, and I'm going to, uh, in all defense of Mayor Lightfoot, uh, the other mayor ran as a reformer. I am not making this up. Mayor Rahm may, ran as a reformer. It's going to be the most transparent city in the, in the whole world. Hey, anybody ever filed a FOIA request from Rahm? <laughs> Knew that was a lie. Well, it could have be. Everybody's letting the light in. You ever notice that, Rosanna? No matter how much light they let in, I still can't see anything. It's, it's, it's uh blinding it's so so bright <laughs> it's so bright <laughs> they let in so much light again they put it in your eyes i can't see Ten little dots uh they, they right. in reverse yeah <laughs> all right so uh i gotta ask you this question uh before we close as uh what's been going on with the way uh immigrants to this country have been used uh by uh maga We've been talking about this so much in the show. Uh, Gregory Abbott, the governor of Texas, sending, uh, putting uh, immigrants uh, on buses, sending them all over the country. I think Chicago read in the paper 1,500 people have been dropped in Chicago. And then this one is, it's so bizarre, it's funny uh, in a twisted, sick way. Ron DeSantis worried that Greg Abbott's getting more love from MAGA. Says, I got to figure out a way to out, out MAGA Greg Abbott. I know what I'll do. I'll fly immigrants in from Texas to Florida and then fly in the Martha's Vineyard. There's no border, even at Florida, you got to worry about, but I'm going to pretend like this is an issue that bothers Floridians. And then he flew to Green Bay to brag about it. So you're seeing this happen, yeah. Rosanna? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we uh, are. What's your, what's your thoughts of this? Go ahead. It has been really hard, actually, like the last few weeks. Um, at this point, there is that we have received over 1,500 um, asylum seekers in in chicago the beginning was really tough i don't think that we were as a city we were not ready um as much as we are sanctuary city i we were not ready um and it was hard uh it was important that some of us just showed up and you know started sort of <laughs> inserting ourselves into the work that the executive was doing um to make sure that people were included to make sure that the organizations that have been working in chicago um in, in immigration issues and the struggle for immigrant rights for decades were included into the conversation um we had some issues with the salvation army which was treating people in a very carceral way which you know they do with with people um in general and we had to intervene and make sure that that was not the case that people actually felt like they are in a sanctuary you know now i think things are a little bit running a little bit more smooth in terms of logistics but we're gonna need money we're gonna need a lot of resources and it is despicable that these right wingers um are so irresponsible so reckless with human life so cruel using people who have been on an exhausting and so scary like a journey that is so scary people have crossed the border with babies with two-month-olds 
people have crossed those borders pregnant. They have had to cross rivers. They have had to walk through deserts. They have left family behind. Um, I talked to a woman the first week that her child, her 16-year-old child got left behind. He got detained and he was somewhere in Texas in a detention center and she was trying to reach him and they wouldn't let her bring him here because she doesn't have a place to live. We are talking about heroes. We're talking about people that are so brave that like who does that if they are not like really, really, really in need to be able to seek refuge. And we have these right-wingers that really do not respect anybody's humanity. But those are the same that want to tell you if you can have an abortion or not, because they are pro-life. So, um, you know, all, all the contradiction. And I really hope that that they are held accountable for what they're doing. I don't have a lot of faith in the system to hold them accountable. Um, meanwhile, here in Chicago, we will do what we know how to do, which is to be a sanctuary city. And we are going to continue working towards that. But we need we need a lot of resources. We need um, we need to be able to find uh, temporary housing for people. Um, we need to connect people with services. And that's a work that is being done pretty beautifully by the state, I have to say. Um, but but we're going to need a lot of resources that we that are not available right now. Well, I got to give a, a we, I've been critical in this show, but give a shout out to Lori Lightfoot. Uh, she didn't blink in this, as far as I could tell, just reading the, the newspaper accounts. Uh, and she stumbled a little bit about with, with the Burr Ridge mayor. I forget the, the, the uh, suburb, but more often than not. You know what? Let me talk about that because that actually, I, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about what happened there. Go ahead. Um, when 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 people started coming in um the bosses were coming pretty often and the shelter that we had in order to to keep uh people was not big enough we needed to make sure and the conditions were not perfect so the state started trying to put people in hotels just because there was better conditions right people keep coming there's no space it, the, the, the first group of immigrants came uh, towards Labor Day. There were no hotel rooms in Chicago for Labor Day. You could not find a hotel that where you could put like 100 people up, right? So the state started looking at places where they had already uh, housed immigrants before. And that's how people ended up in the, sub in the suburbs, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then... And then that just because the relationship was built, then that's that's what kept happening. I am not aware that you have to call any elected official to stay in a hotel in anywhere. <laughs> um, the state was providing all of the services. Nothing was being asked of any elected official or the government um, in Burridge or anywhere else. Um, so there was no need for anybody to go ask for permission. You can go anywhere and just rent a room, right? <laughs> so there was that that was with the state mostly. Uh, but of course, because Chicago is a sanctuary city, and I think that right now the plan is to try to break sanctuary cities. I was like, oh, you're a sanctuary yeah. city? Let's see how you like it. Yeah. And then just, yeah. but, but you I mean, you this is Chicago. We are not going to we are not going to turn people around we are going to support people because that's what we do yeah. 
Um, so we we do believe that other cities need to start stepping up and saying I'm a sanctuary too, and start you know reclaiming um, many of those of those immigrants because we're going to need solidarity and we're going to need to act together. If you leave three cities to handle this, it's going to be tough. All right, I, and I just want to say this as a minor pushback before I make a bigger point. Uh, I, a courtesy call would have been, a, uh, I believe. The mayor should have made a courtesy call to the other mayors. That said, I just want to, hey, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, I hope you're listening. I know someone in your office probably is. Yeah. Uh, you didn't have the celebratory press conference with Rosanna Rodriguez Sanchez, even though she championed uh, the uh, reproductive rights uh, sanctuary uh, ordinance that will get help so, so helpful to so many people. So listen to how she defended you. Okay, just I want you to listen. She doesn't hold grudges. <laughs> she do, I May was critical, and she defended you. Okay, <laughs> just want to say that. All right. I uh, can I can I say before we go? I wanted to talk a little bit about the the salary increase. Oh, um, go ahead. Mm -hmm. I forgot so, all about that. Go ahead. Yeah. So so the the city council got a, a pretty heavy salary increase. Mm -hmm. um, some people took it, some people didn't take it. Um, I, I have been trying to figure out how to be able to redirect the salary increase to our expense account because we don't have enough resources in our offices in order to be able to serve people. So I just wanted that to go into my expense account in the in the ward so that I could actually use it to provide services. Um, but that is not possible because of a state law that regulates other manic salaries. Um, but there is a way in which we can prevent this from happening in the future, which is dividing, making sure that we separate the aldermanic salary from the increase as two different budget items. So I'm working on legislation to be able to do just that so that then we can actually have the option of if you take the increase, then you're going to get the, the increase in salary as a, as a separate budget item. And then if you decide that you want to use it for the, for your other manic expense, you're going to be able to appropriate it from the budget to go into your office budget. Besides that, I did accept the increase and I just want to be very transparent and I'm going to put these numbers out so that everybody can see it. We have so many needs in our communities and I cannot control where that money is going to go. I do know what I need in the community. I know that my neighborhood high school Roosevelt High School needs a lot of resources. And right now they need a kiln. A kiln is $3,000. With the increase that I'm gonna get, I can buy them a freaking kiln. <laughs> I, can, I can support the efforts uh, of Roosevelt High School um, to continue strengthening the restorative justice program. We have an event coming up. All of those events take money. You need to pay stipends to people that are gonna come and work. So um, I wanna make sure that they have a little bit of a cushion there so that they can have all of those events that are actually adding to the safety and the support, um, the network of support, right, that we have. Um, the other thing that I, I'm going to be supporting with that increase is uh, Israel Gives of Hope, which is a community organization that works with victims and survivors of gun violence. Um, I have been working with them for the last three years and they do beautiful work. Whenever somebody goes through uh, a, an incident of gun violence, they show up 
and they show up as volunteer, they show up when nobody else shows up. When DFSS doesn't show up, when when nobody shows up, they go there, they talk to those mothers, they talk to those siblings, they talk to those fathers, they make sure that they are accompanied. And I want to be able to support that work and they don't really get funding from anywhere else. So an increase in my salary that can actually go to those efforts makes a huge difference in my community, even if it's not a lot of money. So I, I want to say that and I want to uh, say that those numbers are going to be posted so that you can see it and there's going to be receipts and I'm going to be very transparent about how I'm using that that money to benefit my community. All right, fair enough. And my uh my general response is people who don't like you for whatever reason, not liking you, will vo- uh, use that as an excuse to justify what they were going to do anyway. If you if you understood what I just said. So, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Uh I think that's yeah, this whole issue of uh Oh God, that's a whole other story. Aldermen and their salaries and the way it's being used, manipulated and twisted. And uh, yeah, if you could funnel that money, the increase to good. I mean, how folks, how could you be against it? You know, I mean, <laughs> um, so kudos to you. All right, Rosanna, I want to thank you very much uh, for uh, taking time to come talk to me and uh, best of luck. We'll bring you back a lot sooner than the last yeah. time and you won't have to trash talk me with uh uh texts uh you know i love your text budget anyway. budget is coming so we're gonna have to talk budget is coming oh my goodness right around the corner yes it is all right thank you very much that's uh yes. Anna rodriguez sanchez alder woman of the 33rd ward i'm ben jarofsky take care everybody